What the fuck is up, world? We're back. Another grito. It's been about two weeks since my last podcast. Probably a little bit more uh, for a variety of reasons. I always seem to have some bitch ass excuse, but here we go with this fucking uh, episode's excuses for why I haven't podcasted. In fact, one of the excuses I'm gonna bear, I'm gonna dare to say, is going to lead into the overall aim of this week's grito. The first excuse, though, is pretty simple, and it's that I made two podcasts the last time I released the podcast, day, one day after the next. Right? If I was playing it smart, which I probably will in the future. I would have held on to the second one, the one that I do with my boy Mike, Sicker Than Your Average, one of my favorite podcasts to this day, because it, I finally got a chance to be a little silly and a little goofy. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I didn't necessarily feel the need to come back with a, another podcast the next week because I had already dropped two in the same week. Right. And then following week, I got some very unfortunate news for, you know, someone in our family that really just fucked with me, man. It really just fucked me up and threw me for a loop. I've kind of been a little bit off since hearing this news. It's been about a week, almost two weeks now that I got this news and, you know, shit just, the world just seems a little bit darker and a little bit more gray than it was just fucking two weeks ago, man. In fact, one of my favorite arguments, and this, I'll just get straight to the podcast before we even fucking, uh, just why bother beating it, beating around the bush? So just get straight into it. But before I do, actually, a uh, quick reminder, if you follow your boy on, so on social media, preferably Instagram, OG underscore ice nice 13. And also on the Facebook, I'm trying to make a more conscientious effort of posting on the Facebook as well. You can find that on, uh, I, I, be I believe it's the same thing. Honestly, I don't fucking know. Find it, man. You know how to work social media. You know what it is, right? You can also find it on uh, YouTube. I believe that one's also under Ice Nice 13, no OG in that one or whatever the case might be, right? Um, but for sure, for sure, through the Instagram, you'll be able to find it under OG underscore Ice Nice 13, right? Also, uh, instead of waiting till the ass end of the podcast to do this, I figured I might as well do it at the beginning. A quick shout out to all the peoples who have been following along, who've been keeping up. Those of you who asked me when I'm going to drop the next one. Yo, I see you, dog. I really do appreciate that, man. In fact, in the interest of full disclosure, that kind of just that, that kind of is what motivated me to get on with this particular episode and not just continue waiting because, again, of the sad boy shit that I'm currently dealing with. And you know what the fucked up part about it is, man, is that it's not even me personally that's going through it. But damn, it's got me fucked up, bro. And I don't want to say that it's I'm not trying to draw attention from the person that it is that actually is going through it. But it just makes me realize, yo, we're all connected, man. We're all connected. And especially when it's someone so close, you feel that shit on a fucking deeply personal level, man. And like, honestly, like I said, yo, the fucking the, the skies just look a little more gray than they did just two weeks ago, man. Um, in fact, this is the part that I was going to get into with what it's one of my favorite arguments in, in, in my philosophy classes. It's called the argument of false happiness. And the way the argument of false happiness works is simple. I like to start the set the thought experiment by asking my students to imagine uh, two relationships. The first relationship with uh, people with two people who are actually genuinely, truly in love. Right. They're uh, in, in a relationship that we consider to be wh whatever it is that your personal ideal is of a, a of a of a perfect relationship. For me, this perfect relationship generally entails a, a couple that is open with one another. They're honest with one another. They communicate with one another, right? They share in each other's experience of this world that we find ourselves living in, the goods and the bads, right? They're not hiding anything, uh, they're, whether it be from an emotional level or whether it be from their life level. Like, There's no fucking creeping in this kind of relationship, right? They can communicate with one another. They talk to each other, all that kind of shit. They enjoy each other's company. like They genuinely care for one another in an emphatic sort of way. 
Um, and they overall just want to inspire themselves and the person that they're with to be the best person, uh, best version of themselves possible. Okay. That for me is an ideal relationship. And that's generally the way that I, you know, lay out the example of this particular uh, argument whenever I'm discussing it in class. Now I contrast that with a relationship, a couple where I generally say that they're their best friends, just so we can add a little bit more familiarity between the two couples, hypothetical couples, but I'm sure maybe you yourself or someone you know has been in such a similar situation uh, that are, you know, friends with the relationship A. And they like to imagine themselves as having the same exact thing as the couple of relationship A, with the added caveat being the only exception that one of the people in relationship B is being unfaithful to their partner. Now, I generally don't like to pick who it is, right? I'll let the students themselves figure it out. Generally speaking, they like to go with the man, you know, but sometimes, of course, some of the classes like to go with the woman, whatever the case might be, right? And then it's even being the, the heteronormative way. Sometimes I'll just pick, you know, a gay couple and we'll take it from there. Uh, you know, it, it varies in a, in, in, a, in a myriad of ways. The point is not for this particular instance, though, to focus on the gender, the sexuality of the people in question, so much to focus on the overall central gist of the argument it's my cat uh and that is if the person who is unaware of the infidelity of their partner is truly happy because ideally if they have the same exact relationship as that of their friends both of them would like both people all four people rather both couples in the relationship would ideally like to consider themselves as having the same type of situation now obviously given everything that I qualified the first relationship with, namely the openness, the fidelity, and all that kind of stuff, the honesty, it's quite clear that the couple in the second relationships don't have that. However, the only reason they don't think they have that is because one of them is unaware and the, uh, of, the, and of their partner's infidelity, and the other partner is keeping it hush-hush. So as far as they're concerned, as long as they're fine, then the relationship is also fine, right? So the way the argument of false happiness works in this particular instance, I'm going to give you a second example here shortly, is that most students will generally respond in the sense of that as long as the person who is in the relationship that is being unfaithful, and I guess by proxy, their friends as well, don't know of the partner's infidelity, then ideally, they are all equally happy. That is to say that the couple who is open and honest and sincere and, and, and faithful and all that kind of stuff, their level of happiness is somehow equivalent to the level of happiness that is being experienced by the couple relationship B, despite the fact that one of them is being unfaithful. And again, the general argument, this is where the argument of false happiness comes into play, is that ignorance is bliss. That's generally the response that I get from many students. I've been teaching this example for over five years now. And for the most part, that is the example that I get. Ignorance is bliss. What mama don't know, don't hurt her, right? And this strikes us as intuitively wrong because you would like to think that even though the person is ignorant in their happiness, there's obviously going to come a moment where if they find out that's another one that people always say, they'll know, they'll know. They always have to know, right? I don't know, man. I don't know. What I do know is that inevitably, let's come. To, let, let's imagine that the person does in fact find out. Ideally, when they do find out, they're going to be very distraught. They're going to be devastated. And more, more likely than not, they're going to be very unhappy. To which we had to answer a very serious question. And that very serious question is, was the person ever even happy to begin with? We like to imagine, for instance, that ignorance truly is bliss. 
But if we were to put ourselves in the situation of that person who found themselves in an unfaithful relationship, we would like to imagine like, damn, yo, you sat there and you, st- you, you know, you, you, you shared some of the most intimate experiences of your life with this person, maybe for an extended period of time, years, right? Years of your life, maybe even your youth. Okay. You sat there and they looked you fucking dead in the eye and they told you, I love you. Meanwhile, they were doing fucking the deed with some other person behind your back. You know what I'm saying? Like you, they were holding your hand and pretending that life was one way when in reality at that exact moment, life was a complete different way. And ideally, had you have known of the complete different way that life in fact truly was, you probably would not have been happy even in that burst of joy that you were experiencing while you were, you know, holding your partner's hand and experiencing all these great things that life has to offer with them because you would have known that they are sharing that exact same moment with someone else. And maybe you're into that polyamory shit. Hey, I'm not judging. All I'm saying is that ideally, if you were, then you also would be the person out there with someone else too. But in this particular instance, they are benefiting solely off of your ignorance. And thus, we do have to ask ourselves, is ignorance really bliss? Or is it possible that the moment you find out the whole time that you that you felt that you were happy, in reality, you were actually deeply unhappy? right? Which, again, this is the argument of false happiness. And that leads me to the second way in which this, uh, uh, the, the example, I take it from here. I used to use an abuelita, but that one got a little too close. Uh, one particular student, once I got really sentimental in my classroom, so I stopped using this example. So instead, I replaced the abuelita with a dog, right? Uh, and, you know, to be fair, for some people, dogs are just as every bit as family as an abuelita, perhaps an abuelita just a little bit more. Speciesist, a little bit. Yeah, I get it. But come on, man. We all know abuelitas are fucking number ones, right? Grandmas, for those of you who don't speak Spanish. Anyways, um, the example, then I like to, you know, the thought experiment, I like to, uh, you know, uh, twi- switch it up a little bit. And I like to imagine these people, I, I tell them, especially the dog lovers, and I especially like to remind them that my classroom is a, a cell phone free zone, right? So that even after the example's over, they can't check their cell phone, make sure that their either partner's being, uh, is not uh, being unfaithful to them or that they're, you know, you'll see here shortly. Uh, anyways, I like to, Im- I, I like to tell them, yo, just imagine the secret life of pets example where you have your dog that loves you very much and you in turn love your dog very much as well. And that almost everything is perfect in both of your lives in terms of your relationship, except for that one annoying fact that you have to leave every single day. Your dog doesn't know that you got to leave to go make money to pay for its fucking dog food, right? But you do. And unfortunately, your dog isn't unaware of this. So the entire time your dog is sitting there fucking begging you and its little fucking dog way to sit back and not leave and stay with it for as long as you possibly can, because the moment that you leave, it's going to die of a heart attack and it cannot possibly imagine its life without you because the second you leave to the second you come back, it seems like an eternity because I as a dog have no conception of time. But again, you're a human. We are all humans. Ideally, some of us might be robots, but we'll talk about that some other time. Okay. And unfortunately, you don't understand what your dog is saying. So all you hear is bark, 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 right? And you tell your dog, hey, man, chill. I'm only going to be gone for a little bit. I'll be back soon enough. And when I do, I can't wait to share with you all the great ways in which my day went or perhaps even potentially bad ways, right? So in this particular example, I like to tell my students to imagine the case where you do, in fact, close the door and you find your way, you find yourself working your way out of your house, right? To go about your married day. And then I like to up the stakes just a little bit more, okay? Because this is not just any other normal day. This is a special day. And it's special because when you get to class, I imagine that my students come to class first, right? You find 
that this very, very important test that you had been stressing about for a very long time, you fucking aced. You aced this test, man. And that is great news because you really need to get a good grade in this class in order to get, let's say, into a nice program, whether it be nursing, graduate school, whatever the case might be. Yeah. So this test really meant a lot to you. And you really poured a lot of effort into trying to get a good grade in this exam. And you did. And now you're fucking ecstatic because you got the fucking grade that you wanted. Okay. But that doesn't end there. I like to imagine my students, then I tell them, Let's imagine then that after you've come to school, you've been, let me you have one class only in the morning and then you go to work. So it's now my, my, my earliest class that I've had so far. Well, I lie. I had a seven o'clock in the morning class once. That was pretty rough, right? Uh, actually, it was, it was pretty rough. Yeah, I'm not going to front. Uh, but generally speaking, my morning classes are usually at 830 in the morning. So I say, okay, our class is over at 950. You're at work by 10 o'clock. Let's assume that you work somewhere nearby campus and that you get there immediately after leaving class, right? And this day, again, is not a normal day. When you get to class on this day, you find that not only have you been promoted, but you've gotten a fucking raise with your promotion as well. And you are fucking ecstatic because you've really been pining for this promotion because obviously being promoted and having a raise is fucking awesome. And now that you have gotten both, you are just through the roof. You came in already outside of the building because you already aced the test that is going to be important for your future in terms of your grad in terms of your schooling, right? But now on top of that, you fucking have a promotion and a raise. Your day is fucking going fantastic. It's amazing thus far. And you just cannot you cannot believe how fortuitous your morning has been, your afternoon has been thus far. Right. So let's imagine I like to imagine to my students then that you're riding this glorious wave of your day so far and that just out of just out of habit, you decide to stop you after you get to work, you decide to hit up the gym. Right. You're going to go and get your flex on and that while you're at the gym, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm going to go for a personal best, whatever the case might be, bench press, squat, whatever the fuck. I'm feeling really strong today and I'm going to go for a personal best. And you load that weight up, you load that fucking weight up and you get underneath the rack and you fucking push that shit like it was nothing. You lift it with such ease. You can't even believe how easy it was for you to lift a personal best for your per uh, for your preferred exercise of choice, whether it be the bench press, the, the squats, whatever the case. You are fucking ecstatic because, again, you've been working so hard to develop the strength necessary for you to get to the level that you are working out is very important to you, not from a vanity point, but more so from the the, the mental health perspective, right? The, the health benefits themselves. And the fact that you are now clearly making progress with your working out regimen is fucking hugely important to you. So on top of all the other great shit that's happened to you, now you have another great thing to add onto the list. But it doesn't stop there. I like to tell my students. I like to I like to have them imagine that in the moment of your outright euphoria for all of the fucking weight that you just lifted and the overall day that you've had, I like to tell my students, imagine at that very moment then that your crush or maybe even your boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife texts you and tells you, yo, let's go out for dinner and drinks tonight. And it's someone that you deeply fucking care about. Maybe it's someone that you've been crushing on hard for a long time and they finally, you know, agreed to go out, you know, on a date with you. And at this point, you just can't fucking believe your luck. You're like, holy fuck, this is the greatest day I've ever had in my entire life. And now, and now you're excited to go home and not only get ready for the forthcoming evening, hopefully to, uh, you know, consider, uh, continue your, your fortuitous fortune that you've had so far. But more importantly, 
You fucking can't wait to go home to tell your best friend, your little doggo, about the amazing day that you just had. So you're driving home, right? And you're just fucking replaying the events of the entire day in your head. And, you know, you, you get home and you're so excited to fucking, you know, tell your dog, you know, jiggling your keys in the front door. Maybe you drop the keys and you have to, you know, bend over, pick them back up because you're so frantic and excited to open the fucking door, right? To see your dog. And then finally, you push that bitch open, ready to find your dog. Except it's laying there with its feet up in the fucking air because your dog has been dead from the moment you left the fucking house, right? This is where the abuelita part came into play. People were like, oh my God, abuelita, right? Um, anyways, your dog was trying to warn you the entire time. Your dog was trying to say, please don't fucking leave. I know you do this every day, but every day I feel like it's just more and more of an impossible burden to bear. Uh, every day that you leave, it gets more and more difficult for me to have to deal with. If you fucking leave right now, I'm going to tell you I'm going to have a heart attack and it feels like I may very well die. And every single day we fucking ignore these dogs and we just say to ourselves, ah, they'll be fine. I'll be back soon enough, right? It's just a little separation anxiety. Here's some dog television and your favorite toy. It's only a couple hours. I'll be back soon enough, right? Except this time, your dog fucking meant it. Your dog really meant that it could no longer deal with the fucking impossibility of the absence of your presence. And it fucking died of a heart attack from the heartbreak of you not being there for what it determined to be over an eternity, right? So there you are staring at your beloved doggy, right? With his little feet up in the air. You were so excited to come home and tell your dog about the great day that you just had only to find that your dog is fucking dead and now that's not a possibility anymore. Furthermore, you find yourself asking, did I really have a fucking great day today? Was my day really fucking as amazing as I thought it was? Or is it possible that I was just ignorant to the fucking reality that awaited me the moment that I got home? To further amplify this scenario, I like to have my students imagine that the second you fucking close that door to your house, the sound of the door closing, boom, that causes your dog to have a heart attack and it fucking keels over and dies right that instant. Meaning that from the moment you left the house, chances are, let's imagine that if you would have opened the door, like, oh shit, I forgot my keys, right? or I forgot my cell phone, whatever, you would have found your dog dead and you'd be like, holy fuck, dude, my best friend is dead. This is the worst thing that's ever fucking happened to me. I can't believe it. I miss my dog already. I'm fucking so distraught and devastated. And that you would have gone probably, probably maybe you wouldn't even have gone to work, to school, whatever the case might be, if that would have happened to you, right? Assuming how much you love your dog. Um, uh, you would never have known if you if you did not go, for instance, you would never have known about the grade that you got. You would have never have known about the promotion and the raise. You would have never hit the gym and hit the personal uh, the personal best, right? And if your crush or whatever did happen to text you, you probably wouldn't be inclined to go out with them, depending again on how fucking truly you loved your dog, right? However, since you weren't aware of all that, you were under the impression that everything was fine. You assumed, like every other day, that everything is good. Your dog's fine. Your dog's at home waiting for you, whatever the case might be, right? So again, we return back to the argument of false happiness and we ask ourselves, were you really fucking happy uh, as all that great shit occurred throughout the day, right? Or is it possible, is it that you were simply just ignorant of the fucking vast unhappiness that awaited for you the moment you found out that your fucking best friend doggy was dead, right? Now, I don't know what your answer is, but I know what my answer probably is. And it's going to be something along the lines of you probably wouldn't be very happy. Let's assume that at best case scenario, you would be a little bit relieved, you know, that you got the grade that you desired, the promotion you desired, the, the personal best and all that kind of stuff. 
but you wouldn't be happy. You would be, you would be distraught. You'd be devastated. You love that dog. You love this, whatever, you know, eh, extrapolate if you don't want to use a dog example to, you know, anyone that you do love personally. It's fucking devastating news, man. And that if as soon as you're aware of it, it kind of puts a bummer. It kind of puts a damper on your whole day. We're, we're humans, right? Like I said, most of us, I don't know about some of us, right? But most of us are humans and you know, that shit fucks with us. And that's kind of where, you know, circling back to the beginning of the podcast, where I found myself about two weeks ago and why I just, I haven't fucking uh, given another podcast since, right? I found out this news, man. And I got to tell you, like, Oh, you've been following along with the podcast for a while. So, you know, I have the fucking, you know, I'm prone to just fucking outright. I'm just a sad boy, yo. Like a fucking, my default is sadness, right? And it's pretty funny. Like at this point in my life, I'm okay with it. I think it's fucking great, right? It's not outright fucking full-blown depression every single day of my life like it used to be. But I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm a a fucking, you know, a sad boy. Just leave it at that, right? To begin with. Um... But even through that sad boy shit, I've, I've managed to, you know, work through a lot of the issues that I had in the past. And, you know, I've managed to be able to start to see a lot of the joy and happiness that is possible in life. You know what I'm saying? So despite, you know, my seeming uh, uh, negative, if you will, gray disposition, I'm still very, you know, relatively happy and upbeat for the most part. I can be right. The potential exists. And then I started thinking, like, when I got the news. The brief moments that I was actually happy, like honestly, truly happy for extended periods of time, no less. Okay. These episodes that like the depressive episodes, they didn't, they don't last as long as they used to when I was younger, right? They last for at best two weeks, three weeks, right? And then they fade away. And then I have happiness, like overall, just general happiness. Like, oh, I'm okay now. I can fucking, I can fucking fight through this. You know what I'm saying? And even when I am in the depressive mode, that's even fucking more reason to fight through it, right? I wake my bitch ass up early and say, we got to work out. We got to eat right. We got to do all that kind of shit because this is not good. And as much as we don't want to, we have to fight through that desire not to because not doing so only amplifies it, right? And then that leads to those happy moments that I'm talking about. And then I got this news again, like I'm saying, and I asked myself like, fuck, dude, even those brief moments of joy and happiness that I did manage to experience, was I really happy? Or is it possible that I was just ignorant to the reality that awaited me the moment that I fucking found out the truth, when I found out what the situation was? I don't know what the answer is. Again, right? I, I At the time, I felt as though I was truly happy. Um, but in reality, the, the news that I discovered had been already, you know, it's been going on for about two months almost, okay? And um, in those two months, I can't really say like, fuck, man the happiness that I had, was it real happiness? Because if I would have known the news, the moment that it happened, right? Two months ago, I got to tell you, man, I probably wouldn't fucking, I, I wouldn't have been happy. I'm not happy now. Like I'm telling you straight up, I, I'm good. Like I'm not fucking suicidal. Like I, I, don't get it twisted, please. I got to fucking emphasize that part. But what I'm saying is like, it's just, again, the world is just a little more cold and gray. I'm just, I'm, I'm you know, it is what it is, bro. Right? So, Oh, uh, if I put myself in this position back two months ago, I'd probably realize like, ah, man, like all the great shit that happened in the past two months, because a lot of cool stuff happened in my personal life in the past two months. It would have been weighed down heavily by this news. And I know that because cool shit has happened to me in the past two weeks alone. And I still like it's weighing down my consciousness, like the things that I generally do to have fun, the things that bring me joy. It's just like, Meh. The, the little cloud is kind of just, you know, floating over the head and it's just always there. It's always present, which leads me again further to believe that had I known the news, 
I wouldn't have fucking been happy then either, right? So that in and of itself, that particular thought experiment is just a long-winded way of introducing the actual topic for today's podcast, for today's Grito, and that is the problem of evil. The problem of evil is one that, I mean, it's a ancient, ancient problem in the history of philosophy. It's a problem that still exists to this day. It's the problem that we're probably never going to fucking answer unless a, some sort of metaphysical being were to come down a godlike entity to earth and give us an absolute answer to this fucking question, right? At best, the only answers that we'll have are those which are provided to us by either philosophers or theologians, okay? Both of which, to me personally, they're just not sufficient. They're not good. They're not good answers. They're not good responses, okay? Um, furthermore, I will qualify further and say that the, for me personally, the problem of evil is one that always, always fucking comes to mind when it comes to people who are asked, like when it comes to religion in general, like, why don't I believe in religion? Because the problem of evil, dog, that's, it's that simple. Like that's one of the many reasons. Okay. One of the many reasons why I don't believe in religion. You can throw in the fucking, um, the colonization, you know, and the treatment of the indigenous peoples, which itself is a fucking, uh, the problem of evil. Okay. For me personally though, you could throw it in because yeah, I don't, why would I be a fucking Christian if the way the Christians treated my ancestors, that's just fucking dumb. Okay. But on a more abstract metaphysical reasoning, the problem of evil, it, it, it's, it's the probably, again, the biggest reason that keeps me from believing in a godlike entity. Okay. In fact, in fact, actually, there was a really funny meme about this circulating. The meme itself was of Steve Buscemi and Spy Kids. Uh, and the quote was, can you imagine? I can't believe they got away with this kind of quote in a kid's movie. And the kid's movie from Steve Buscemi and, and the Spy Kids again was, do you think God stays in heaven so he can avoid the 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 horror of what it is that he created, namely us human beings or something along those lines, right? And that 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 itself is also an iter not, not the iteration of, but it's 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 you know you can you can extract that from the problem of evil as well, okay? Uh, namely, in this idea that maybe God does exist, and look what the fuck, dude! Like, goddamn, right? Um. Anyways, <clears throat> the problem of evil. I apologize for that. Itself, simply writ, is that let's just imagine. I'm not going to highlight it to you like in premise conclusion form. I'll just you know articulate it the way I'm assuming you've grown accustomed to hearing me do so. Let's just assume for the sake of argument then that God does exist. And let's just say that it is a Christian God, right? I always tell my students in this particular sense, like, dude, if the Christian God is real, the last thing I want to do is go to heaven because fuck that. Be surrounded by a bunch of the people who fucking raped and committed genocide on my ancestors. Uh, no, thank you. I'd rather spend an eternity in hell with all the fucking cool people. The cool people here being the prostitutes, the gamblers, the drug addicts, the fucking alcoholics, because if I, I, as much as you'll, you're going to soon see that I, at least when it comes to the drug addicts that I'm right uh, I would much rather spend time in their company than in the company of fucking Christians who you know um, again commit a genocide on my ancestors or those who allow evil things to happen in their name no less who you know conduct evil actions in their name no less all of which by proxy of the problem of evil so uh, allow me then to stop beating around the bush and just get into it the problem of evil simply is going to state if God exists why does evil occur? It's very simple. It's a very simple argument, okay? And before we continue along with this argument, let's remind ourselves that the definition of God, at least as writ from a Christian perspective, Christian being any religion that believes in Christ, but the same is true for the Abrahamic religion, so Judaism and Islam as well. Assuming that God exists, it is an all-powerful, perfect entity, okay? 
meaning that God can do anything, is everywhere at all times, and more importantly, knows everything, okay? So, if God exists, why does evil happen? Because ideally, this all-powerful entity could stop the evil from happening, right? Furthermore, that's a, you know, because God can do anything. That's when you get into the problem of, can God make a rock too build for God to move? Well, you know, ideally, yes, because it's God. But at the same time, like, mm, it's too big to move. So how could a God-like entity move it? No, that's bullshit. God could do anything if it's perfect, right? Including stop evil from occurring. Now, at this point, religious students generally come up with the idea of free will. They say, well, God gave us free will. Except for the fact that, well, for one, science doesn't really, you know, allow for free will. And two, more importantly, it's logically incompatible to have free will and have and predeterminism. It's just, it's irrational to believe in both. This is what's referred to as compatibilism. They're not compatible because at best, it's just the illusion of free will. It's the illusion that you had the choice when realistically where you were going to end up in was always in advance already predetermined for you. Okay. So when it comes to this idea that, well, God lets evil happen because, you know, that the person's free will. To which I'll say, okay, let's just assume then that even in the best case scenario, the person did in fact have free will. What does that imply for the people that let's say that they, let, uh, the example that I gave recently, because it's funny, the only class that I didn't do this lecture came uh, at the heels and I did the lecture on the heels of having heard this news, right? Anyways, let's imagine one of, uh, when we were talking about the problem of evil, one of the students brought up their uh, a serial killer that was just discovered in New Orleans who had murdered over 90 women. And um, the justification then from this particular sense was that God gave that person the serial, excuse me, the serial killer, the ability to choose whether or not that he would murder. And since he fell off the path of God, he chose sin and murdered. To which I said, okay, first of all, again, given everything I just told you about determinism and all that kind of shit, that doesn't fucking, uh, that doesn't hold up, right? Philosophically, from a logical perspective, it's the law of excluded middle. It doesn't hold up, okay? B, on a more metaphysical and just personal fucking understanding, man, like, what does that imply for the 90 fucking women that this person killed? Did they not have free will? Did they not get to choose whether or not they would be murdered by this fucking shit stick? What are you trying to say? That, they're, they're, that they were born for no other reason than to be murdered by this fucking so, uh, psychopath? Like, come on, man. Let's think about this realistically for a second. Either he had a fucking choice and he, or, and he exercised it and the women didn't have a choice, meaning this fucking shit stick was more special than the women, or no one has a fucking choice and meaning that those women were in fact built for this person or made, born, right? These women with their fucking parents, with their own hopes, with their own dreams, their own aspirations, a mother that carried them in their belly for nine months, hopefully fucking love them dearly. You're saying those people were only born just so they could be murdered by this fucking asshole, right? And furthermore, what kind of a God would create somebody to murder people knowing full well that murder is a sin? Knowing then that in, in result for being punishment of the sin, you're going to have to spend a lifetime, an eternity even, in hell, allegedly, right? Because again, we're assuming that God and the, exists and the Christian God exists and that the Christian faith is correct, being tortured and punished for all of eternity. Like what kind of fucking just God would do that? What kind of just God would make somebody be gay, for instance, knowing full well that being gay, allegedly, according to the Bible, is a sin, knowing then that the punishment for that sin, quote unquote, would be spending a lifetime in fucking hell. Like, what the fuck? That doesn't seem like a just God. That doesn't seem like a loving God. That doesn't seem like a good God at all, right? Furthermore, we get into the question of, okay, so God could have stopped the murderer. This is the first part again. God could have stopped those that murderer from killing those 90 women, 
and fucking and chose not to. Like it, he chose not to. He chose to allow the 90 women to suffer a grisly fate. Uh, he chose to allow the women, the families of the women to suffer, knowing that, you know, no matter what they do, they'll never see their loved one again, all because some fucking asshole decided to take their lives. Like that, that's what you're telling me? God allowed for that to happen? That doesn't, it, God could have struck the serial killer down at any given moment, man. Like it just, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Furthermore, we run into the problem of, okay, let's also assume that God exists and following the Christian doctrine that God, uh, that we are in fact molded after God's image. If a fucking man who is molded in God's image just murdered 90 women indiscriminately, if men, Christian men no less, have no problem fucking raping people, torturing people, committing genocide on people all in the name of their God, and they're cut in the cloth of that God? What the, what, dude, what the fuck? That's a scary God, right? One need no look further than the fucking Old Testament to see exactly this point. The God of the Old Testament is not that fucking hippy dippy God from the New Testament. It's a fucking God of vengeance. It is a God of wrath. It is a God of fucking death and destruction. And at least that particular part is faithful to the problem that I'm discussing here. And if they are, in fact, if we are, in fact, molded in the shape of this God, I'm fucking terrified of meeting that God, bro. That is a fucking devast. That is a terrifying God to me. Furthermore, we like to ask ourselves, yo, like, what the fuck? How is any of what I just mentioned any good at all in any way, shape, or form whatsoever? That all seems to be evil, which implies one of two things. Either those things are evil entirely independent of themselves, or God created evil and God itself is evil, right? In which case, we ought to ask ourselves, okay, if it's independent of God, that means it serves as a negation of God. And if anything serves as a negation of God, then that negation itself renders that alleged God imperfect, making it a false God at best. Yes, a God with a lowercase g. Conversely, your only other option then is to accept the fact that God is the creator of evil and that God, this entity that's supposed to keep evil from happening, is what is causing the evil to occur. In which case, you've asked yourself like, dude, what the fuck, right? Like, what, again, what kind of God would introduce all this death and destruction, all this needless suffering into a world of people that, you know, for no other reason other than this is what I am and this is what I do, right? Again, at this point, that is generally responded by students from a Christian perspective that the reason all this death and suffering is brought into the world is so that it's, it's a test of faith, right? And the, the general example for the ones who actually read the Bible right? Because I think you'd be surprised how many students fucking defend the Bible so adamantly and yet have never read the motherfucking thing ever in their entire lives, right? But the ones that have read the Bible, you know, the one story that they hold on to simply is that of Job and the story of Job, basically a wager between God and the devil. The devil itself a fucking very problematic idea because people say, well, the devil's the one that did it. Okay, but who created the devil? And furthermore, if the devil punishes bad guys, like how the fuck is the devil not a good guy? Because don't you want to punish bad people? Like, oh, this doesn't make sense, right? Anyways, going back to the idea of Job, the basic gist is, I'm not going to fucking tell you the whole story, but the God and the devil make the fucking wager, the Christian God, right? And the Christian devil make this wager. The devil believes that he can have Job lose his faith. God maintains that no matter what God does to Job, God will maintain his faith, right? And thus he fucking, God punishes Job in, in, in a myriad of ways. He makes him blind. He gives him disease. He kills all his family. He causes famine on his crops, all kinds of fucked up shit. And throughout all of that in the Bible, a story, this character 
keeps his fucking faith in God. Very convenient, right? And that's what these students generally try to come, the ones who are like are really versed in uh in, in their faith, they'll generally try to give the 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 story of Job, to which the answer is simple. Okay. Let's assume that your idea that God has created us and is testing us through our struggle in order to prove our worth in order to enter the kingdom that is Christian heaven. Let's hear you walk down to the fucking children's, uh, the cancer ward, the children's wing in the cancer ward and tell the fucking eight-year-old kid who's about to undergo brain surgery for a fucking tumor that might end his life that the reason he has the tumor is because, is because God is, tr is testing uh, the reason that this child has the tumor is because God is testing his resolve and his faith in order to prove himself worthy to ascend to the kingdom of heaven. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? It's so easy to have these ideas that have been that we've been brainwashed with and regurgitate them without actually thinking about what we're saying. And it's so fucking cowardly even to say so around people who many of them probably have never suffering or have not experienced any sort of suffering the same way the child that I just explained to you is potentially experiencing. Like, what a fuck? I, you would never say that to a child in a cancer ward. So why do you feel so confident to say it in a fucking philosophy class? Because there's no one around? Because you personally haven't experienced it? Right? Like, this, you're so far removed from the reality of what the problem of evil is. Like, you don't even fucking understand. You don't get what I'm trying to tell you. Right? So again, if this godlike entity, this Christian God is real, the reason that fucking poor child has the brain tumor is because God made the poor child to have the brain tumor. Okay. And it, there's no other way. It's not that kid chose. Like, I don't want to have a brain tumor. Of course, no one wants to have a brain tumor. The kid would have chose a hundred times out of fucking 10 not to have the brain tumor. But this problem of evil is going to want to tell us, well, if that's the case, if this Christian doctrine is correct, that's basically what you're telling us. Okay. Which leads us then ultimately to the realization and the ultimate realization is this either god let's assume again that god does exist okay there's only one of two potentialities right either this god knows that evil's going to happen and can't stop it meaning it's thus an imperfect god or knows that evil's going to happen and doesn't fucking care. It doesn't care to stop it. It's like, whatever, dude, who cares? It is just, it is what it is. In which case, we're still left with the same problem. Like at the very least, at least the, you know, the 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 old testament, they addressed it. It's like, yeah, dude, evil happens. And at best, uh, the 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 best response that Christian people can generally give is like, yeah, God created evil. And you know, but that itself comes with its own problems because you realize, well, then what is evil? It seems to be pretty fucking arbitrary if God created it. Because if it's not arbitrary, that means that it, there's an inherent reason why things are an intrinsic reason, why things are, are, are bad, why murder is bad, why rape is bad, why torture is bad, right? And if those things have an inherent intrinsic reason as to why they're bad, they don't fucking need a God to give them any justification, right? So even that answer is going to be very problematic. Whatever the case might be, essentially, the problem of evil is going to want to dictate that either God knows and can't stop it, meaning it's an imperfect God, or God simply doesn't care, meaning we're fucking on our own out here, man. And it all seems to just be all for nothing because what the fuck? What's the point of having this metaphysical entity if at the very least it's not going to stop us from experiencing any form of suffering, right? So again, just to reiterate, going back as to why me personally, whenever I get you know posed with the problem, you don't believe in God? Why not? Boom, problem of evil, first and foremost, right? You find me an adequate solution for the problem of evil that does not depend on the simplistic interpretations of a theologian that simply says, it's just a matter of faith, man. You just have to believe. Fuck that, dude. Like, I have a friend, for instance. I had a, I had a friend, had a very fucking close dear friend who passed away at a very tender young age of 22 years old, man. 
he's suffered for the last four years of his life for, from cancer. Okay. And this person, I wish, I wish every single person who's listening to this would have had a chance to meet him just so you could know what a fucking, what, what a pure spirit truly was. Like the most fucking, just the chillest person, never harmed anybody, never did any harm to nobody, man. Like just a fucking overall, all around good person. Okay. And to see him, you know, go down to cancer, he got it like at 19 and he was dead by 22. And he suffered. He like he fucking suffered. Like the last three years of his life, he suffered hard, man. And you know, to know that that happened to him, and that there's per- currently people. This is where the drug addicts. This is the drug addicts part, right? Me personally, I have a very contentious relationship with drug addicts because my father, my you know father. I never met the motherfucker. He's not a father figure. The dude that knocked up my mom, man. Um, he's a drug addict. And the reason I never met him is because he's a fucking drug addict. He spent his whole life in and out of prison because of his heroin addiction. And when he was out of prison, raising a child was never on his mind. The only thing that fucking shit stick cared about was getting high. Right. So because of that, I was left without a father. Thankfully, I had an amazing grandfather that, you know, picked up the fucking burden and carried it. But even then, a grandfather is not the same as a father. Everybody knows that. Right. Um, so when it comes to drug addicts, I'm, I have a very fucking contentious relationship and it's difficult for me because on the one hand, I want to, I want to be a loving person. I want to be this character. Like the, I want to be like the dude that I just explained to you, man, never pass judgment, never hold grudges, never be vindictful, just fucking be a pure person to inspire others around me to elevate to a higher fucking level of being that we are all capable of. Right. But unfortunately, I'm not fucking like that guy. I'm trying to work to be like that, but I'm a fucking definite work in progress. And deep, deep, deep fucking down inside of me, I have some fucking serious anger issues, okay? Some serious resentment, some serious hostility. And a lot of it generally gets directed towards fucking drug addicts, okay? Because of my past, right? And it also gets directed, I'm not going to fucking front, dude. Like, I'm just being honest with you. Um, towards homeless people, specifically not the ones that are suffering from mental illness, because that's fucked up. The ones that are suffering from mental illness, they've been fucked over by the United States government. I'm talking about the ones who have just given up on life. They've just given up on life. And they're like, man, fuck this shit. I'm just going to shoot heroin. Fucking my dad. I'm talking about my dad here. Okay. Um, I'm going to shoot heroin. I'm going to be a fucking drunk. I'm going to go off and hurt people. I'm going to be a philanderer. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to be fucking having kids with multiple women and never fucking bothering to raise these children. Just an all around shit human being, man. Right. And I always ask myself, like, I see these people, I see these fucking junkies. I live in the Northeast El Paso. For those of you who aren't familiar with the area, let me fucking familiarize yourself with it. It's not, it's not a fucking dump like people like to make it out to be. It's not not a dump though at the same time, right? There are certain parts of uh, Northeast El Paso where if you're walking through at nighttime, I like to say you're basically in the walking dead because of all the fucking shithead junkies that are walking up and down the street, right? Dyer Street, for those of you who are wondering, specifically from about Fort uh, Fred Wilson and Dyer to about mm, Hondo Pass, yeah? Anyways, I see these fucking junkies, man, and I, I just, I can't help. I, I, I can't wrap my fucking head around it. I ask myself, like, how is it possible that this fucking junkie drug addict drunk loser is in fucking perfect health like i see them there they're surviving they're fucking in their 60s 70s 80s and they're doing the same thing that they've been doing since they were 20 probably just shooting up heroin getting drunk and fucking living an all-around shit life like they're not contributing anything they're not doing anything of merit they're not doing anything of value they're not fucking helping other people at the at fucking 
and if, if anything, they're fucking hurting people, right? Maybe they're 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 just oh, I I, I the, the the disdain. I don't want to be the disdainful person, but I can't fucking help but you know feel that way. A because again of my own personal relationship lack thereof with my father, who is one of those people, right? But more importantly, because the problem of evil, I ask myself like, dude, what the fuck? The guy that I just explained to you was this pure fucking spirit, like this fucking pure energy, this ball of love, this fucking person who you ask anybody who knew him inspired others to be a great person like him, dude, like elevated other people around him just by his presence. The fucking biggest smile. It's just a great fucking person, dude. And he died fucking sadly, terribly in pain from fucking cancer at 22 years old. And then you have these fucking people who are fucking just fine. Like, what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense to me, right? So going back to the problem of evil, it's like, well, what the fuck, dude? Like, you're telling me these people are any better than these people? Like, what kind of God? This, it just, it doesn't make sense to me, okay? So, yeah, that's that's the problem of evil in a nutshell. There's so much more to it. I just, you know, we'll t- I'll talk about it, I'm sure, at some other day. But for now, I think I've done a decent enough job of at least explicating to you the problem of evil, which is the simple intention, okay? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not really not any possibilities. Like I said in my last podcast, uh, at least my last solo cast, not the one with my boy Mike, uh, at this point, I'm open to any potentialities, right? But uh, in terms of, you know, stories of, you know, people, where we come from, what our purpose is here on life, where we're going, all that kind of shit, right? Maybe it's possible that this God does exist. And maybe it's possible that the deists are correct. And what the deists are going to want to argue is that God, this you know Christian God specifically, just to keep in line with the idea that we've been discussing so far, created the universe in his most perfect way and then just stepped away and left us to our devices. Okay, maybe, maybe, man, maybe that's a possibility. And maybe Peter Parker really is fucking slinging webs out in fucking New York City in some alternate dimension. I don't fucking know. Okay. What I do know is that given all the shit that's happened recently within the last two weeks again, but also just the history that I'm waiting for my cat to jump up in case you're wondering. Uh, there she is. Uh, also the trajectory of life in general, not just mine, but you know, the history, you just got to read into the history and see how fucked up life seems to be. It, it really leads me to believe that, nah, man, there's, there's no such thing as a God. In fact, if anything, this religion, specifically Christianity, and this idea of a God has caused infinite fucking more harm than good, man. Infinite more harm than good. Just look at the history of wars around the world. Most of them built off the religious beliefs. Even the fucking Muslim, uh, the Buddhist monks are out there killing people, man. They're killing fucking people who, who don't want to be Buddhist, right? I believe, right? The Rohingya massacre. They're like all religions, man. All these religions, they're, they're, no, they're not special. And the idea here is that that's just what religion does to people. We're fucking, it fucks us in the head deeply, right? The belief in a God, how many people have been killed because they think that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior are still being killed because they think Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, right? How many people have had, uh, you know, rape? How many justified? Look at the fucking pedophiles in the Catholic church right now, man. Why aren't they being fucking hung on the streets at this very moment? Why? Because they're supposedly these fucking holy men that represent uh, uh, the the Christian God, like, nah, man, that's bullshit. That's nothing more than fucking the introduction of evil into the world. And because of that, I'm just like, nah, dude, I don't, I, I don't really vibe with this idea of needing a God or a religion because as far as I'm led to believe, it just basically seems as though it's this whole life is just a matter of fucking fleeting chance and chaos and that there are nothing more than a few brief moments of love and joy and affection, right? 
And the goal then is at best, this is just to close the podcast and then tie it in with some of the past podcasts, is to try to just increase as much of the love and joy as possible to in an attempt, in an attempt to combat all the fucking evil that permeates the world at any given basis, right? At any given moment, I should say. Anyways, with that said, I am now at the 50 minute mark. And I believe this is just about a good enough time as any to wrap this bitch up. With that said, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Don't worry about your boy. We'll be all right. We gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. Even when it's not all right, everything's gonna be all right. All right. Um, Aside from that, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And I'm looking forward to bringing you another podcast in the near future. Until then, peace.